Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of From Dial Square to Where, the Arsenal Twitter podcast. This is the audio of the first live show by Tannen, at Gunnar on Twitter, from Wednesday, November 6, 2019, and there were some fireworks. We had to tackle the issues surrounding the head coach hashtag Emery following the hashtag Arsenal Horror Show in Portugal versus hashtag Vitoria and everything that goes with it. Please like, subscribe and hit the notification button on the From Dial Square to Wear and Bearded Gunnar's YouTube channel and please rate 5 stars on iTunes and Spotify etc. Get in touch with me on email which is from dial square to wear at gmail.com or on Twitter which is at from dial square. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dawn. Welcome to the latest episode of From Dial Square to Wear, the Arsenal Twitter podcast which, incidentally, contains adult content which is definitely not suitable for young children. Please like and subscribe and leave a five-star review, it really helps. Also, please be sure to visit the YouTube channel and subscribe to that. We have a brand new show, You Can Be The Star, the most interactive Arsenal show, where the twist is the viewer who entertains us the most on the night can join us live on the panel to air their opinions. We have great guests weekly. We've had Kevin Campbell, who was absolutely brilliant. That's still available to watch. And we also have more excellent guests lined up, which is very, very exciting. Thanks for listening. Treacle? People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. How's it? First episode here for the Bearded Gooner show on YouTube. I'm Tanner, the Bearded Gooner. I'm joined today by Andrew. He is uh, of the From Dial Square to Wear show on YouTube. So definitely give him a shout as well. He's got a great show going on over there. We're going to get into uh, the result today at Vitoria. Uh, 1-1 draw, obviously conceding. In stoppage time at the end, we couldn't even hold on there. Uh, Andrew has informed me he's got a rant that he's going to go on, so we're going to look forward to that as well and uh, talk about, obviously, the match today, uh, what we think of Unai Emery, where we go from here, and maybe dive into a little bit of uh, talking about uh, the Leicester match on Saturday and just kind of seeing um, you know, what we think 
come the end of that match. So, uh, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and jump in here? Um, I think you got to uh, experience the match a little bit better than what I did today, unfortunately. Um, a couple of sick dogs and some errands to get done for me today, so I did not get to see it. Unfortunately, uh, it doesn't sound like I really missed much. So, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, uh, I could only listen to the match live on the radio over here. Um, I was still at work at the time. But um, it was just the same old, same old. And it was... <laughs> Every single match you can predict pretty much from the start to the finish now without watching the game. It's um, it, it's just embarrassing, really. It's not... Um, any of the performances are not what you'd expect from this club. And I think people have got to... Well, pretty much everyone. I don't know if you have much chance to have a look at, um, at Twitter today after the match, but I don't see anyone now that's not very, very strongly looking for Emery to leave. It's pretty universal. And how on earth can anyone make a single possible reason for him to stay? There's not one. And I think people have got to worry about, uh, stop worrying about this um, getting into being a rotating door type of club along the lines of, you know, uh, what been going on at Manchester United and um, Chelsea the last few years. It's not like that anymore with a, with a modern club. We're not changing a manager. We're changing a coach, a head coach. And the modern football club setup, which is the way that we're following, has got everything set up behind the scenes that an old-fashioned manager used to do. And there's, some, there's a guy for recruitment. There's a guy that deals with the loans. There's a guy that deals with the finances. All we need from from now on is someone to work with the players that they're given and to train those players and put them on a pitch to win football matches. That's all you need in the head coach now. And unfortunately, the head coach that we appointed seems to be extremely good at interviewing and not very good at coaching. And that seems to be the way he's getting jobs by the, by the looks of it because the way that he's managing our club, it's like an under-8s team that you go down the park and take your son along to play and the manager hasn't turned up. So one of the the parents step in and, and manage the team in his absence. And that's the way our, our team seems to be playing. It's got no cohesion. He's playing players out of position. And unfortunately, he's systematically ruining our players. No one can tell me, and I've just put a tweet out there not long ago, 10, 15 minutes ago, about Danny Ceballos, for example. You have a look at the, just to remind yourself about that absolutely incredible pass that he, he played against Romania for Spain in the summer. You have a look at the goal he scored for Spain against Poland. You have a look again at the debut he had for our club at, uh, versus Burnley. And you try and tell me that uh, play, uh, the fans that have been going around the last few days saying that he's shit and we don't want to buy him anymore. I'm sorry, but no, he's not a shit player. He's a fantastic player with incredible skill, immense ability. He's only 22. We've got him from Real Madrid. He played 21 games for Real Madrid last year. So he wasn't like a bit part player. He, was, he played a big, significant role for Real Madrid at, at a very young age. So he's actually gone from being this world beater against Burnley and for Spain in the tournament uh, in the summer 
And now he's a, he's a pale shadow of the player he was when he first joined us. Just a matter of nine games ago. And he's not played every single game. So he, well, he's played most games, but not he hasn't played every game from the start, if you know what I mean. Now, he's mm-hmm. um, played, I could work out, at least four different positions in our team so far. He's had no cohesion whatsoever. And by the way, all the players around him, they're also playing out of position. So, one by one, our players are regressing under this manager very quickly. Now, again, exactly the same situation with Pepe. He's had no support on that right-hand side. He's been chucked in. And people are questioning him and his ability now. Now, I'm sorry, but just, again, just refresh your memory about the season he had last year with Lille and what made us buy that guy and what made him the hottest property in Europe. Now, at the moment, is he looking like a very hot property? Is he? Obviously, the, both of these players need time. They're both young. They're both coming into a new country. Don't speak the language. Probably haven't got a group of friends and family around here still. They're still finding their feet. But people are still judging them. Now, unfortunately, they're, they're not being managed by someone who actually knows how to, to coach them very well at the moment. And if it goes on, we're also going to lose Lacazette and Aubameyang and possibly Torreira as well at the end of this season. Now, I need to remind you as well, at the end of last season, we missed out on the top four by one point. So every single point is very important. Why wait till after the Leicester match when we're going to get hammered? Because we're already six points behind them. We're going to end up nine points behind them. Their goal difference is plus 18. Ours is plus one. So that's like another point you can pretty much add on to there. So why chuck away another three points when we've got the possibility of a new manager bounce before the weekend and possibly just give Leicester a game? That I wanted to embarrass ourselves. I wanted to ask you about that, Andrew. I, I actually put a tweet out, I think, yesterday or the day before, um, basically asking that question, do you think a new manager coming in right now would make that much of a difference against Leicester? 100%. Oh, yes, definitely. Okay. 100%. It, how, who could we put in charge that would do any worse than we're playing at the moment? Oh, like, I do agree. you think any manager would be able to manage this group of players and only muster one shot against a, a team of part-time farmers like we did today. I think I think the question the board has to ask themselves right now is not who could do a better job than Unai Emery. It's who couldn't do a better job exactly. than Unai Emery at this point. Um, so that being said, um, who would you? I guess we'll just we'll just dive right in to the manager search. Then, first of all, do you think? Um, Emery is done. Do you think the board will pull the trigger after the Leicester match? If if we drop the three points, which I think at this point everyone is pretty much banking on. They have got to have got the message already just by Twitter alone at the moment. I mean, you read some of the comments that um, they put when, when, the, when the club put the final score, one all after the match today. The last in a long, long line of very, very disappointing matches. You know, we've only won one match in all competitions since the last interlock. So you read the comments that just on that one post. 
And if they haven't got the message, then they, they, uh, they, we do have to start asking them some serious questions because we put we, we put in place Edu so that he could create the same kind of environment that Ajax have, Barcelona have. So from a, when the young kids join our team, they start learning the same way of football that eventually all age groups will be playing throughout the whole entire club with the Arsenal way. And if Edu, who is uh, an invincible, is not looking at this football and thinking, this football, I'm sorry, but it's dog shit, Unai. What, what are you doing? <laughs> then it's Edu needs his head looking at as well. And sorry, I don't. I, I should have asked you before. We no, no, I, I, I just watch my language. We're, we're wide open here. We're wide open here. I'm, but I'm not going to censor it. It's slightly concerned. Well, we don't know what's. But if Freddie Youngberg sitting next to him on the bench is not saying, Unai, what what the are players doing on this pitch? Then that's going to be a little bit of a concern. But we don't know whether that's happening or not. But surely the people around him. Are looking and not happy with with the way that our team is playing football because it's just well we all know there's no cohesion there's it's just so disjointed it's unbelievable you know the way that we're defending a pub team could defend better than we are defending and we've got good defenders we've got good midfielders we've got good attackers we've got a very the best squad we've had in a decade I keep saying this on different podcasts we have. We've got the third best squad in the UK. We've got the third best squad. And we're playing worse than... Well, this is the other thing. Sheffield United. uh, I've seen so many people on Twitter saying, well, do you honestly think a new manager will be able to get this group of players into the top four? Well, Sheffield United, with a team of League One players, schooled us schooled us in how to play football and how to coach a team. Their manager has been absolutely fantastic. And I was on another, I think Ryan might be watching at the moment from the Mr. Arsenal podcast. Yeah, Excuse I think, me. I think <coughs> Excuse me, I apologise. Well, I said on the, uh, on the Sheffield United preview show, we'd be lucky to get out of there with a point with Sheffield United because the manager is fantastic. He worked his way up from the National League with a different team. Got he, he has got teams promoted all the way from the conference, all the way through every single league. And in the last five years, you know, once Sheffield United have gone ahead, they have not ever lost a game in five years. Yeah, that's that's a crazy stat. Well, it just shows you what could be done with any group of players when you know what you're doing as a coach. Mm -hmm. Now, if anyone can tell me that our squad isn't good enough to get in the top four, I'd say just go watch Sheffield United. They're a point behind us at the moment in in sixth. Yep. So no one can tell me that. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And like I said, a lot of those players in that starting 11 were with him when he was in League One with Sheffield United. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, so, do you think that if I were to say to you that we, everybody everybody thinks we drop points at Sheffield United, at Watford, um, obviously at home to Palace, at home to Wolves, would you agree that we drop points to Spurs as well in the Derby? 
back in September? Oh, or 100%. I, I agree. I agree. I am um, in the last 30 looking... minutes. The last 30 minutes of that game. If you were a coach with half a brain, you could have seen that Davinson Sanchez at right back was absolutely blowing out his ass. <laughs> and the manager didn't spot that at all and didn't exploit it. We didn't go down that side the last half hour. Didn't give him any problems whatsoever. And the only reason we got a point out of that game was the players. We got a point despite the manager. I was at because the, the players. I was at the Sorry. Derby last year. No, you're fine. I was at the Derby last year. Um, <coughs> not the uh, not the cup match um, in sort of late December, uh, right before Christmas. But I was at the Derby at the beginning of December. And I remember watching the players, their celebrations when they scored that match meant something to them. And and, and I think they, for the most part, got it. Um, Obama, Yang, Lacazette, Torreira, the goal scorers, they, they got what it meant to play in that match. And so I, I think you're spot on with the players are the ones that, that got us that draw, got us that point against Spurs. Uh, Darby, um, but I, I I've been harping on this for weeks now, saying that if you go back and you add up the points that we've dropped, my goodness, we'd be in second place. We'd be in second place behind Liverpool by I by I think three points. That's how good this squad is. We should be should be in second place in the league ahead of Manchester City and fighting Liverpool. They yeah. Liverpool needs to be fighting us off for top spot in the league right now. I've and made this how I've, many points we've dropped. I've made this argument so many times, and I did it the other day. In when I uh, Ryan joined me on uh, on Saturday night on um, my impromptu video that we did, that Liverpool were twenty one points behind Manchester City two seasons ago, and last season, obviously they only finished a point behind, so they clawed back twenty one points. So, we went through the squads between our squad and Liverpool's squad, and it's not that they've got a better squad, but there's not a huge amount in it. And no. we the, we could no. we could have quite conceivably caught up Liverpool this season with the additions we made in the summer. People think I'm crazy saying that. I'm not crazy. I'm not mm-hmm. crazy at all because they, dropped. Yeah, they make. It's it's highly conceivable that Liverpool will still have a fantastic season this season, like they are having, um, but not quite get to the ninety-seven points again. Even if they drop to ten points, for example. Excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. I've still got a bit of flu. No, that's all even right. If, I hope you feel better. Even if they drop to eighty-seven points, that's still a, a, a league-winning season in most seasons. So if we did the same as what they did to Man City like the season before, clawing back 21 points, all we'd have to do is, is is win five more games than we did last season, or the equivalent of five more games, points. And with the additions we made in the summer, there's no excuse for not doing that. So we could have quite easily put a challenge in this year with a decent no, coach. I think so. It's... People don't understand that at all. And I, I want to go back quick, just very quickly to the point I was making earlier about people worrying that by sacking, we become like all the other clubs. And I didn't quite finish off the point I was making. So behind the scenes, we've set up a new team to take away all of the extra jobs that 
used to be done by Arsene Wenger. And so all we need now is a new man, a new coach. So by removing the coach, by removing Unai Emery, it doesn't disrupt the club one bit. It's not as if we're going to have to get a new coach in who says, oh, I don't like these players. I want to get my, all my new own players in to work, you know, do the work. It's not going to work like that anymore. Coaches come in and have to work with the players that they are given and make them better to win football matches. So by removing coaches in the future, it's not going to disrupt the club like it used to. So we've no. got to get out of that mindset that by sacking Unai Emery, we're going to go back to square one. We're not. We've still got the same squad and we've got to get someone in who can work with those players. This is End exactly off. down to, in my opinion, this is exactly down to um, to Unai Emery because the players, as you said, Andrew, the players are good enough. This is down to this is down to lineups and it's down to tactics. And every single match, he just seems to get two or three players wrong. Where you say, "What? Why aren't you playing him?" And and then what the players, the players that he gets wrong in the lineup, he's then playing them out of position, and it's a double whammy. You just say, "What?" Like you said, like you know, Freddie Lungberg, what are you doing? Unai, what are you doing? And I agree with you wholeheartedly. This is a results-driven business. And this is a business. And people have to remember that we they are in the business of professional sports. It's a and it's results driven. It's a Ooh. what have you done for me lately? And we the fans, we the supporters can see very clearly, very plainly, Unai Emery is just not getting the job done. They're not no. players are not responding to him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And 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 when he's when he's putting together his his starting 11, he's getting that wrong. Then he's getting the tactics wrong. We're going on the road to Sheffield United and setting up to not lose 3-0. I know. I said during the Liverpool match that he set us up to not lose 5-0. I genuinely think he was satisfied with losing 3-1 mm. to Liverpool. I genuinely yeah. think that. So well, let, me ask you, let me ask you a quick you question. You don't have to genuinely think it, though, do you? Because he's actually come out and said it. He's actually come out and said, oh, right. we, we, we actually worked to the plan very well against Wolves. That has to be... That has to be the most damning thing of all with this now is when you look at his comments after the Wolves match on uh, on Saturday, when he says the result wasn't what we wanted, but we played the way we wanted. Exactly. You, you, I mean, you played to the result. So what that, the that defense was so the, the defense was so deep they might as well have, have been in the box in you know in the changing room because there weren't anywhere you know the, the goalkeeper could have easily been jostling for position with them. They were that deep. You know, yeah. who else would go out and score a goal and then sit so deep and allow so much pressure? Now, <laughs> Elliot from the Arsenal Vision podcast said this, this as well the other day. It's very, very valid and I wholeheartedly agree. One day, we are going to get smashed 5 or 6 nil easily because that's the law of averages. Because each match, we are allowing 25, 30 shots against us. And all we're going to have to do is one day someone is going to come and score a hat-trick of 25-yard curlers because that's the way it's worked. If you allow that much in people to shoot on your on your goal, some of them are going to go in. We're not going to be so lucky anymore. It's going to be Manchester City in December. Oh, my God. It, well, it could be Saturday. Let's it, face could it. Be. it could be. Um, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Andrew. I, I just... I, I you can't... can't 
You can't gamble with the, the law no. of averages and expect to come out of it smiling every time. It ain't going to happen. Lee, uh, Lee judges on uh, same old Arsenal podcast and obviously of, of Arsenal fan TV, um, whatever you think of those guys. But uh, I, I like Lee. I, I find myself uh, agreeing with a lot of what Lee judges says. And he said after, after the Crystal Palace match uh, two weeks ago, he said, "Is are you willing to sacrifice forty million dollars in May and June for six to save six million dollars now? And now you're going to pay the six million dollars to Emery regardless. You're going to pay him that to finish out the season, or you pay it to him if you sack him. I think that's how it's going to work anyway. I don't know the particulars of the contract, but he hit the nail exactly on the head. We cannot afford to suffer through another season." of Europa League football, and I'm going to say this, if they don't sack Emery and they give him this entire season, we're not going to we're not going to finish top six. We will not qualify for European right. football next season. So there will be well, no even European Euro- Europa League to fall back on. We well, will you know be what's even more worrying? What's even more worrying is I saw, I read yesterday that they're willing to sell Aubameyang if they get an offer in the right, if, uh, in the region of £72 million or something. I mean, what the hell is that all about? I mean, that's gross negligence. I mean, he's a 30-goal-a-season striker, and they expect us to be able to take his goals away. Where would we be? Where would we be? We'd be in the bottom three. Well, we'd be be, We've got no one else. Yeah, we'd have no... Who else is scoring for us? No one. No one. No one. So who's going to put the ball in the back of the net if we sell him? That'll That'll be even worse. In our situation now, it'd be even worse than when we sold Van Persie. And sold and just gave the title to Man, Man United for twenty five million pound. That's what we did. We we sold the, and you know Glenn, who's been on my show several times, Glenn D I T M. He said we sold the league to Man United for twenty five million quid. But this would be even worse because we would be not even near the top of the table if we sold a Bamiang. It's just beyond a joke what's going on, and I just hope that that wasn't true. That what I read. Uh, yesterday about selling him because if we sell him what kind of ambition is that for for us as a club yes we've got Martinelli but he ain't nowhere near ready I love the car, the guy and within I, I genuinely think within a couple of years he could be one of the best in his position in the world but he's still not ready yet he showed that today now Saka what's going on with, with, with Saka again he he, he looks like just uh, he's so full of enthusiasm when he came into the team. It's all gone. It's all gone. Is it being coached out of them, or are they just just completely losing all faith in the way that Unai Emery is, is doing things? Because something's going on. Pepe is not as bad as he's showing now. Pepe is a, a brilliant player. Even Lacazette and Aubameyang, Lacazette hasn't looked the same. I mean, people have been putting it down to him just coming back from his injury. But I don't think that's the case. He looks miserable. Yeah. Aubameyang hasn't got the same spark. Well, and, that, and this, I mean, again, it's, it's down to Emery. I think he's I think he's lost the players. I, I think I said this on, uh, on the Arsenal Fan Circle podcast, I think two weeks ago with Ray, where um, I, I basically related what Unai Emery is doing with us to to a, a U8 team or a U9 team where before you can shoot the ball on net, you have to pass backwards 
to the defense. You have to learn to play defense before you can mm. before you can shoot on on net. And and that just he wants more structure in his attack. He doesn't seem to coach any structure in the defense. And it's the exact. It should be the exact opposite to me. You want the creativity and the expressiveness in the attack. You want the structure defensively and let these guys go forward. And he doesn't seem to want to do that. He seems to want to, a guy who said he would rather win 5-4 than 1-0. A, a guy, he just seems to put the handbrake on and say, no, 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 no. We're we're going to play for the draw on the road or to not get our doors blown off 5-0 at Liverpool. And he'll be happy with that result. And it just makes absolutely no sense to me when you look at this team. And, and uh, Andrew, I agree with everything, with absolutely everything you're saying. It, you're spot on. <laughs> He can say what the hell he likes, uh, whether he wants to do this or wants it. There is no structure in any part of the pitch. There's no structure in defence or midfield or attack. There is no structure anywhere. If anyone can point out a little bit of structure to me, please do. Because I can't see anything. I see. I just see 11 players on the pitch not really knowing what to do from one minute to the next. And half, of, half of those 11 out of position, by the way. Yeah, well, we mentioned earlier about the Spurs game and it was purely down to the players coming into their own to grab us a point. Exactly the same thing happened versus Aston Villa. He, the, purely yeah. down to the players that got us the win against Aston Villa. Obama Yang just, just dragged us kicking and screaming in that game and said, we're not, we're not losing this game today. I yeah. don't care that we're playing a man short. We're not losing this game today. Let me uh, let me bring Ryan in here. Um, Andrew, he says, do you guys think Emery's hand was forced to take the armband uh, off Jacka by the board? Uh, I guess let's start there. So do you think the board told Emery to strip Jacka of the armband? Yeah, I don't think Emery makes up his own mind about anything, to be perfectly honest. What decision has he actually made since he's been with us? Yeah. Apart from playing players out, the, out of position. And and um, to follow up on that, Ryan says, do you think that Abel was picked by the board as the replacement captain um, simply because he's a fan favorite? Um, let me jump in on this, Andrew, real quick. Um, I actually think that Obama Yang was probably next in that that group of five. I think he was probably next yeah. to five. But I also I think that Emery, I think Emery chose Obama Yang because whoever chose him, I'm not going to speculate on who I think chose him. Whoever did choose Aubameyang as the next captain, I think he was chosen because, yeah, he's a fan favorite. And I think the the thinking there is get the supporters back on board with the captain. So well, um, what's your what's your take there, Andrew? What do you think on that? My take is that that probably was Emery's decision because it was the wrong one. If he had anything about him, he would have picked the right captain there's, there's only three in my my book. Um, Bellerin, Tierney, or Louise. And do you know who my favourite would be out of those three? And it'll, most people will disagree with me. But the only leader on our pitch is David Louise. And he, if we people keep saying, oh, you've got to get rid of him, Ash, defensive shit, blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, but if we didn't have David Louise, we'd be in an even worse position than we are now. Because he's the only one pointing and shouting and trying his best to get some kind of cohesion on that pitch. And Tierney's, Tierney's close. 
to him because he does a similar thing. But David Luiz has been the captain of the team in all but name. And you have to watch him during the match and you'll see exactly what I mean. People won't believe me. Just watch David Luiz. And he's actually the only one trying his best to do things like that. Uh, Aubameyang, yes, he's popular and he smiles an awful lot. But what kind of leadership does he offer, really? You know, he's probably the most... Well, he's obviously the most famous person in the in the team, apart from uh, Mesut Ozil. And he's well-known around the world and everyone loves him, for obvious reasons. But as a captain? Why would he, in a million years, be chosen as captain? He doesn't lead by example on the pitch, either. Because if he's not scoring, he's not doing anything else. You know, the last... He scored, obviously, in the last match against Wolves. But before that, as well, he's done next to nothing in the matches. And it's not his fault. I'm not blaming him and I'm not knocking him. He's had no service. There's been absolutely zero support of the front three. Basically, if they get the ball, they've just got to try and make something happen themselves. That's it. I'm with you on the Bellerin shout for captain. I really am. We've seen, uh, we've, we've seen some improvement since Mesut Ozil came back into the team. Obviously mm-hmm. not transformative, but we've seen a lot of improvement. Mm-hmm. And that just shows you whether he's not, he's clearly not the same Mesut Ozil we bought from Real Madrid, but he's still head and shoulders above anything else we've got in that, that end of the pitch midfield-wise. Absolutely. Whether he's at, at 50% Mesut Ozil is still better than anything else we've got. We've Absolutely. actually got no other number 10 if you think about it. Yeah. I want to get back to a point you made about Danny Ceballos because I was at that Burnley match and and I got to tell you, I, w- I was up out of my seat easily, easily half a dozen times with plays that he made in that match and then just sort of fell off and he, he just hasn't really been the same player since. And, and you're absolutely right. Mesut Ozil is, is the absolute... We still have yet to see... Think about this. We still have yet to see arguably... I would well, maybe not arguably. I think our best player is at this point. I think it is Aubameyang. I would Mesut Ozil is, is certainly up there. You're right. He's not the player that we bought from from Real Madrid. But we have yet to see our full blown attack play together on the same pitch in a no, meaningful match. Lacazette now Lacazette been injured. You know, so obviously he gets a bit of a pass there. Aubameyang, Pepe with Mesut Ozil playing in that number 10 role right behind the three of them. Yeah. And I just don't, I just don't get that. It, it's, it's, again, it comes back to Unai Emery. It's as though he's chopping off his nose to spite his face on this. And yeah, I, you have to see at some point that Mesut Ozil, it, oh, did I lose him? Yep. Well, I'll continue here and hopefully uh, Andrew can jump back in. At some point, Unai Emery has to realize you have to play your best players, period. You have to play your best players until they give you a reason not to play them, in my opinion. Um, Mesut Ozil, whether that instruction came down from the board to freeze him out, to try to move his wages on, um, so on and so forth, everything that we heard you know, a month or so ago, um, it's just, uh, welcome back, buddy. Um, Apologies, we've dropped out there. No, no worries, no worries. Welcome back. 
Uh, I wish I could blame something else, but I did it. I did it accidentally, so I do. <laughs> I went to I went I went to try and bring the live chat up there, and I ended up um, exiting the studio. So many apologies. No, no worries, no worries. I was I was just uh, finishing up my thought on uh, on essentially you have to play your best players Ooh, in any coach yeah. in any sport. You have to play your best players, and you talk about cohesion, Andrew. And because the lineup changes and the formation changes. Game by game, week by week, there's we don't get a chance to develop that cohesion. No, yeah, I, I put a big long thread out. I don't know if you saw it a few days ago about um Meza Erzil as well. Everyone knows who watches any football at any level, you need a few games on the trot, one after the other, to gain your magic um, fitness and your sharpness and your form. Now over the last couple of years, Mesut Ozil has not had a number of matches in a row to gain that form and match fitness and match sharpness. He, he, he never has. He's always come off after 60 minutes. He yep. always goes missing for two or three games on the trot. And and I'm not blaming Unai Emery all the time for every single one of them, but are you telling me that he's not available and most of the games that he's he's always out with a little stomach bug or he's a bit a bit of sickness, whatever. That's I bet you that's not him. That's come come. It's not come from him. It's I, come from the manager. I, the head coach, I yeah, I, I don't think this has ever been. Mesut, oh, I, I've got a hangnail. Oh, my toe hurts. Oh, you know, I, not to be crude here, but uh, I, I woke up this morning with diarrhea. I can't go out and play. I don't want to hear that. I think this is down no. to the manager. Just like I don't know if you saw the thread. Uh, on Twitter yesterday, um, things things that were were said about Aaron Ramsey uh, last year, and that Ramsey plays a traditional uh, number eight, you know, that deep line midfielder running into the play. Uh, Unai Emery doesn't really play that style of football, so he didn't see a place for Aaron Ramsey, and that just that baffles me to no end. And and it's the same thing with Mesut Ozil. I just don't think Emery rates him for whatever reason. And, and then doesn't use him properly. You know, he was playing out on the right-hand side against Wolves. Put him in the middle of the park where he can be creative. He can feed Aubameyang, Lacazette, uh, Pepe. And and just, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I get to a point where I get well, with this manager anymore. Against, against Wolves, quite often, you actually look at the, the pictures. Mesut Ozil was picking up the ball from the defense. And Lucas Torreira is furthest forward. Yeah. You yeah, try to work that one out. I see people putting out their best starting 11, their their predictions for a starting 11 in a certain match. And uh, the, the Leicester match, somebody actually had Torreira. So far forward, he was in the back of the net. That's Ooh. where they put him. And that just... Now, I have heard a rumor that Lucas Torreira wants to play a more offensive role. And I'm sorry, if, if that's the case... And I'm a Lucas Torreira fan. When we signed him last year, I was I was beating that drum to no end. This guy is going to make a difference in this team. He's a ball winner. He's a bulldog in front of our back line. He's going to get things done. And if he just so happens to find himself a little bit forward in a match where we're we're you know we're tied at the moment, we're losing, we're down by one, and he and he's able to net us a goal, great. But if if Lucas Torreira wants to play an offensive role, Sell him. Sell him. That's that's not what we brought him in to do. And the role that we brought him in to, to fill, he does it to a T. 
and and hopefully whoever the next manager is going to be and I'm I if I'm not fully confident in this it's going to depress me to no end so I've I've con- I've convinced myself that if the result is what I think it will be on Saturday at Leicester Unai Emery is gone straight away the new manager has to come in set these guys down and say okay this is your role this is your role this is your role that's what you're going to play period if you don't want to play that role for some reason then sit down we're going to get somebody in who will so Torreira has to go back to that to that sent that defensive midfielder role in my opinion well I don't buy that rumor wherever you saw that I really don't I, it just here again Twitter and you know how that goes so yeah I, I honestly don't buy that I, I think he'd be so much happier playing the role where he, where he flourishes for his previous club and country and for us last season. And it's been said a number of times, I think it was um, Danny uh, from the Bergkamp Wonderland, he's mentioned it a few times in the last couple of podcasts, that he won five out of six man of the matches last season, playing that role exactly. And I think it was Amy Lawrence who told the story about um, how we sort of came about Lucas Torreira. And, um, yeah, it was all about trying to find an N'Golo Kante with this new, you know, the, the, the software that they're using. Um, I don't know why I'm trying to think. The name is escaping me. The um, the stats zone, the stats. I can't remember. But they basically I... keyed in every, every single um, attribute of N'Golo Kante. And he was one of the top of the list that came out with players in and what he does for the team on the pitch. And that's the whole reason why we went out and got him. And um, we got him before the World Cup. What was it, 26 million, I believe? And um, But yeah, after the World Cup, we would have paid double that because of the World yep. Cup he had in that position. Yep. And um, yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous. There's no other word for it, the, the way that he's being used at the moment, if at all. And yeah. it's a player we've been crying out for for at least five or six years. At least. Yep. And it's just, we're wasting him. And we're going to lose him. We are going to lose him. We're going to lose Lacazette, Aubameyang. And we're going to be right back in the crap because we are going to lose the strength in our in our squad. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, let me let me, uh, let me me bring Ray in here real quick. He's, he's got a question in the comments for us. Um Andrew, what do you think is our best defense going forward? Rob Holding is still way off. Um, he, he's definitely not got his sharpness back. He's going to have to carry on uh, playing, unfortunately, in, in the, just the cup competitions for now until he's, he's back fully fit. Fingers crossed he might get a lot more uh, work done during the international break. But at the moment, though I'd love him to, I don't think he's ready for a start. So, because ideally I'd love him to be alongside David Luiz in the centre of our defence. But 100% he's got to be starting Bellerin and Tierney at full-backs now. Especially starting from Saturday. We're desperately for him to start. There's two ways of looking at it. I've been toying with this idea whether we should potentially do a similar sort of... Well, I think he... Today, it was more like a 3-4-3 formation, which was really yeah. odd, the way he got set up. But there are some 
positives to possibly take out of having um, three at the back with the two wing backs and maybe have uh, Callum Chambers, Socrates and David Luiz. But having David Luiz in the middle, it's whereby we haven't got to worry about playing it out from the back too much because David Luiz could be able to carry it out from the back himself and start pinging the balls, um, accurate passes more than long balls um, against starting at Leicester would be very, very helpful in a similar way that Leicester smashed every team ahead of them when they won the league, just pinging those long passes out to Jamie Vardy. We've got the pace with our Bamiyang and Pepe to do the same to them. And um, So I'm toying with that idea. And it keeps uh, Callum Chambers in the team because he's probably one of our most informed players at the moment as well. And for him to get uh, dropped when Bellerin comes back, he's unthinkable at the moment. Um, so that's a possibility. Uh, if it was a back four, it would still, at the moment, have to be um, Socrates and Louise. But uh, I just don't like Socrates. He makes mistakes in every single match he plays in. Possibly, if when Bellerin comes back, it could be Chambers and Louise at the moment until we're holding. You know, I think that's exactly where I was going to go with it, Andrew. If if we start Bellerin and Tierney at fullback, could we then yeah. put Socrates yeah. on the bench and move Chambers? Move Chambers. I'd like that. Partner him with David Louise. Yeah, I prefer that because that's Socrates looks good. I've, I've said this in so many podcasts, and I'm sorry I'm keep repeating myself, but Socrates. For 85%, 90% even of every match he plays in, he looks great. And people get swayed by his fist pumping and, and his passion, his clenched fists. But he just makes a brain fart moment in every match that Mustafi got absolutely slaughtered for last year. And he makes even just as bad, if not worse, mistakes a lot of the time. And everyone is blaming Chambers for the goal against Wolves. But... I think it was him all, all over. He was just standing there like a lamppost. Didn't move when that ball came uh, in. I think there were a lot to blame. There were I think, uh, yeah, I think, well, but I think Chambers is very hard done by with, with the blame he's got because I think yeah. he was trying his best to bail out Socrates for doing nothing. He's just standing there like a lamppost watching the ball just go straight over his head. And yeah. he does that sort of thing all the time. Gets caught out of position. If, he's, if, he's, if it's too quiet a match for him, he'll run after the ball and try and get some excitement for himself. Yeah. And like like he did no their first goal. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That, absolutely. Just that was my I, I don't rate him at all. I don't, I rate, don't rate the guy. I, I'll be honest, Andrew. I actually, I thought last, last year he was, he was a far, far better player. Um, still a little bit of, of the mental mistakes, but nowhere near to the degree uh, that 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 he's had this year, um, I I'm with you on the I would move Chambers inside, Bellerin and Terry yeah. at, at fullback, and uh, yeah I'd I'd take Socrates out. I'd leave David Luiz in there. I agree with the communication yeah. thing with David. Definitely, Luiz. he's a guy that's he's pointing, he's talking, he's you know getting guys where they need to be. And, and look, they're not perfect. Look. You know, don't get me wrong. I don't. I was just about to say, don't get me wrong. He's not like uh, an absolute model defender by any stretch of the imagination, but he is by far the best central defender we've got. And he's not blameless, but he's let down an awful lot by the people around him. And more than anything else, he's let down by the manager not setting the team up right because he's not getting any protection from the midfield that are in front of him. None at all. 
Uh, we, yeah. we just let the players run up to us and just bombard the shot, uh, the goal with shots throughout every match we play, no matter what the opposition is. It's just always the same. And he's he's valiant in a lot of games. And yes, he's been caught out. Yes, he's made mistakes. But that is not just down to him. It's not all these issues we've got. It's not down to the defence alone. It's the whole team. The whole team. We're not defending from the front. We're not pressing like we're supposed to be. Like he said that we're going to be. We've not got any protection from the midfield for the defence. And we've got no help from the forwards from the midfield either. There's no cohesion on any part of that pitch. And that is only down to one man. And David Luiz, yes, everyone is getting pelters from loads big sections of the fans. And these people need to sit down and watch the match and realise what's going on. Because it's people say the players have got to take a lot of the blame. And yes, they have in, in lots of cases. But I'm telling you now, most of our problems, not all our problems, is not down to the players on this occasion. It's down to the manager. And when it has been down to the players, it's because the manager hasn't helped. Because he's ruined their confidence or playing them out of position or just not playing them at all. And that's so, and that's come up right there. That's that's it. That's what it's all about right there, in in my opinion. So, uh, Andrew, let me bring uh, Ryan back in here. He's got a question. And I'm going to let you take this one because, unfortunately, this is a bit before the age of the Internet. So... Uh, while I still rooted for them at this time, I was uh, not really able to really know what was going on other than other than results. Uh, do you guys get a bit of the Bruce Rioch situation with Unai Emery? Now, I know that Rioch coached uh, 90, the 95-96 season um, mm. <laughs> senior year of high school, but like I say, a little bit before the, the age of the internet, so I was pretty much confined. Yeah. Results and, and that was it. So, take uh, go ahead and, and and take that one. Let me know what you think on uh, on the, on Bruce Rioch and Unai Emery. Well, I do. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of similarities. I think Bruce Rioch was only ever a transitional manager as well, and um, there were a, a lot of issues with with Bruce Rioch when he was around at the time. But my take on things from a lot of the stuff that I've read is that from a quite early on within Bruce Rioch's tenure. uh, David Dean, as it was then, had his eyes on Arsene Wenger. I can't remember when it was, but there was a chance meeting between David Dean and Arsene Wenger, and he was hooked from the moment he met him. And um, at that point, he was still he was over in um, in China. And for some, well, you know, we all know what uh, a gentleman and a man of his of his word that Arsene Wenger was and is. And he'd agreed to a certain length of contract with the uh, the Chinese side. And um, he wasn't ever going to let them down. So we had to wait for Arsene Wenger. And I think from very early on within Bruce Rioch's tenure, that 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 was always going to be the case. And I think uh, in the end, Arsene Wenger joined after the season had started in 96. And um, that was the earliest time that he possibly could. And uh, I think Bruce Rioch was just unfortunately a victim of that because... From the moment David Dean became acquainted with Arsene Wenger, that was it. He was going to be our manager. And um, I think he was doomed to failure, really. But he was never the right guy, unfortunately, for for Arsenal anyway, Bruce Rioch. Because I think they were good, they thought they were going to get the next George Graham with Bruce Rioch. With the same kind of character, same sort of Scottish sort of hardness about him. But he was never the same 
character as, uh, as George Graham was. It was never going to work, unfortunately. But um, it was meant to be because he brought uh, David Platt and Dennis Bergkamp to the club. And without him, we never... Well, not saying we never would have had them. But it, at the end of the day, they came in under his watch. So that for that, we've uh, always got to be grateful. But there are some similarities because I don't think Unai Emery was ever more than a transitional manager for this club. But unfortunately... I think the board have been caught a little bit cold somehow. I don't know how, because at the end of the day, we all know he should have gone at the end of last season. Hindsight's a good thing, but I said it from the start. I said after the Crystal Palace game, he's got to go. Because I could see the way it was going right then, the, the Crystal Palace game last season. When he came in, I'm just going to briefly say this again. I don't know whether you've um, seen my previous or heard my previous podcast, I've said this a few times, but when he first got appointed, I was unhappy because I didn't know much about him. So I did my research and the best way of finding out about anyone, whether it's a manager or a player, is to find out what the fans think about them. Not what the media say about them, not what their ex-colleagues think about them. It's what the fans think about them because that way you get the truth. And I was really, really concerned very quickly after doing my homework on Unai Emery because it's always, always been the same. And have you seen the thread that was put on Twitter by... Oh, what's that um, that journalist? And it, it was done in May last year. Wow, it's um, from... I know exactly what I know exactly who you're talking about. I think he was with ESPN FC. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I can't right. remember his name his name I know exactly the thread you're talking about. Yep. But I, I never go. I'm, not just, I'm, I'm honestly, I swear on my life, I'm not just saying this, but I could have written that thing myself at the same time because that's that's exactly the thing I found out when I did my research on him, and I've always thought the same, and I've always, in a way, it's like skipping, it's like getting a brand new book you're excited to read and skipping to the end and without reading the rest of it and spoiling it for yourself yeah, because you you can't wait and that's the problem I, I've always, because I've always felt this way about him since very early on last season and I was expecting all this to happen and I, you know I'm, I've not taken any pleasure in that at all but I've I would have got rid of him last season no question whatsoever and the fact that I still somehow feel that the board have been caught cold with this because they were fully expecting him to be a transitional manager, but to be here for between the two and three years, I think that it's put them in a difficult situation now about which way to go. But there is only one way to go, and that is to get him out of the club, get Freddie Jungberg in. He's got Robert Pruiz with him. He's got Thierry Henry at the club pretty much every day at the moment. He can get as much help as he wants. He knows who Arsene Wenger. He will be able to pick up the phone and speak to Arsene Wenger. He'll be able to get call on loads of people for help if he needs it. But the club are very, very, very strongly um, tied to Freddie Jungberg, hence his promotion. They want him to stay at the club. He has got very, very strong feelings that he wants to be a number one. If they mess him about with this next appointment and don't keep him, interested he will be off they're going to lose him and he'll go somewhere else I... but I'm not saying that we need to give him the job but we need to I'd say give him the caretaker job for now find someone long term longer term 
But when they find that person, which is why I think it should be Rafa Benitez, and I'll come on to that in a bit later in a bit more detail, but the next manager that comes in should only be a fairly short-term person himself and do this transitional job with, to a much better standard than it's been doing now with Freddie Jungberg as his number two and apprentice so that Freddie Jungberg can learn everything he possibly needs to learn over the next 18 months to two years so that he is then ready to take over full-time. But the new manager should be well aware that that is the deal. That's what I think. I, I think. I, I like the way that you put the board being caught cold-footed. Um, I, I that's I hadn't really thought about that, and I think I think you're exactly right. I don't. Think, uh, it's worrying though because they should have known about worrying. this months ago. I, I think you always have to have a contingency plan in case your original, in case your plan A fails, and I think their plan A has failed and failed miserably. Quite frankly, I was never a fan of the Unai Emery appointment. Um, I I didn't do the research that, that you did, Andrew. I simply looked at, at the results at PSG and the way that he handled things. And I could tell you right then and there, he is a manager who would excel with um, – give him Everton. Give him I, – I won't say give him Wolves because I actually have a ton of respect um, – for Espirito Santo, I, I think he's a tremendous manager. I really do. So I'm not even going to say Wolves, but um, if, if Stoke, uh, Stoke um, I was thinking of Premier like in their current Premier clubs. No, I don't think he's that good. I don't think I, he's that good. I, think I don't think he's good enough for the Premier League to overachieve, if that makes sense. Because I don't think the expectations at a club like Paris or Arsenal I think the expectations are too high. I think he needs to go to a club where the expectations are: hey, finish. Anywhere between 14th and 8th, and and that's considered successful for that club, I think that's where he excels. He excels at, at clubs that he can take a little higher than what their supporters in the board expect them to do. And and there's something there. I, I'll say that I'll say one thing. You don't win the Europa League three years on the trot without having some ability as a manager. And and I, I so I'm not going to completely slate him off. I think he needs to find the right situation. We were never, ever, ever going to be the right situation for Unai Emery. Um, the uh, the the I want to touch on what you said about about Freddie. Um, would you be willing to give Freddie the job full time if he took over as caretaker and got a stop four? Um, it depends a lot on a lot of factors. And you'd have to make that decision in the summer. Right. You wouldn't have to jump into it like Man United did with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Sure. You'd have to stick to your word, like they should have done, and reassess the situation in the summer. But I'm telling you right now, he will get exactly the same kind of instant impact that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had when he initially took over at Man United, because it's a piece of piss to do that. The players will run through a brick wall for Freddie. They all love him. They all respect him massively. And he's been there and done it as a player. And that's a massive thing when you're also a pampered Premier League millionaire nowadays. Yeah. That's why I think some players, uh, sorry, some managers do struggle in some circumstances because unless you have got the very, very strong personality, 
then you're not going to get the same amount of respect. Um, I mean, Roy, it doesn't mean you were going to be a good manager either, because Roy Keane, you would have thought put money on Roy Keane being a massively successful manager. Yeah. yeah because that's, of that's his background thing. and his personality, you would say he's definitely going to go places. Same with Patrick Vieira. Yeah. I would have put money on him being uh, an Arsenal manager. But I'm really having my doubts at the moment because he's doing very... Despite a very good start, which I thought, oh, great. Because, uh, you know, I, I really did have high hopes at the beginning of the season when he was showing... Because uh, Nice were right at the top of the table at yeah. the beginning of the season. Yeah. And I think, oh, yes, thank you. Just, I was just counting the days until we had Patrick Vieira as manager. <laughs> but now... They, they can't buy a win at the moment. They're, they think the last time I looked, they were 15th or 16th. I was going to say, they're, they're, just, they're and, just points above the relegation zone. And, and they've got the, one of the UK's most um, richest people as owner now. They, they're very, very wealthy and hmm. they're still doing poorly. Wow. So uh, I'm just a bit concerned. But I've just got, um, I don't know what it is and I, I could be wrong, but I, I did follow the under-23s a lot last season and they were playing beautiful football. They all absolutely adored Freddie Jungberg, the whole squad. And I just, it just seems to have it. You know, we, like Martinelli has got it. You can just see he's not just one of these promising flash in the pan players. No. He's got it. Yep. I just see that in Freddie Jungberg. It's just when you just see him with the players, you just, you just look at him and you think, I just, I maybe it's more hope than anything else. But I just see him as a really good manager because when he was playing, I wouldn't look at him and say, he's going to be a great manager one day. I wouldn't have put him in that position at all. You know, he didn't, didn't come across like that. But now, I, I just look at him and think he's got the charisma, he's got the intelligence, he's got the respect, he's definitely got the experience as far as um, you know where he's been in his career and I just see that he's going to be a successful coach and the, and the club see that in him obviously hence the promotion yeah. uh, with the view of bringing and that's why I think they've been caught cold because I am absolutely positive the two to three year contract that they gave Unai Emery was because of Freddie Jungberg with the view of him taking over I think they had hopes that it might be after the second year. But they added on the third year as a bit of a safety gap so that they could do Freddie, if he wasn't quite ready, that he could work with him for a third year. Yeah. And I think that now that Unai has become, his position is untenable, they are thinking that it's too early for Freddie. And that is why you may have seen over the last couple of days, I'm really pushing for... Rafa Benitez to come in on like an 18 month contract maybe 30 month contract to cover the rest of this season and either one or two more years ahead and have him coach Freddie Jungberg to become the next manager because I firmly believe that whatever anyone thinks about Rafa Benitez he's, he's vastly underrated as a manager he doesn't just play dour football he plays football to meet the strengths of his players in that he's got at his disposal. He had a championship quality squad at, at Newcastle. Everyone knows that. And he achieved miracles with that squad. Mm. And he, the way he, he set that team up... The Prem was huge. Yeah. Well, the way he set that team up 
was because of the quality of plays that he got at his disposal and he set them up like that not to lose games because that's all he could do with Newcastle United. With a better quality squad of players, he would not play really boring football. I'm not going to say that he's going to play Arsene Wenger style football because that's wrong. But he won't be boring with our squad of players. No. And he it's, he is as close as possible you can get to a guaranteed top four finish with our squad and possibly winning the Europa League as well, the way he did with Chelsea. And remember, when he was at Chelsea, he had to do a press conference once just to say, I am leaving at the end of the season. Stop booing me. Stop shouting at me to leave because I am leaving. <laughs> at the end of the season, I'm gone. Just back your players. And he had to sit there in front of the press and say that. Do you remember? And that's the amount of pressure he was under from the Chelsea fans. And he still won them the Europa League and didn't yeah. do well in the Premier League under that amount of pressure from his own fans. Yeah. So he is the person that Freddie Jungberg could A, learn from. Tactically, he's brilliant. And B, he would do the business for us as well. He would get us organised almost overnight because it's not rocket science with us. All you've got to do is put the players on the pitch in the right positions and tell them to express themselves. And you will almost guarantee to get immediate improvements between one match and the next, like Brendan Rodgers did for Leicester. Um, almost instantaneous. I think, we, I think we get that new manager bounce for sure. I will say... Um, I will say I do respectfully, of course, uh, disagree. I would I would have either sacked Emery prior to the previous. I would have sacked Emery at the end of at the end of last season. Definitely, I, yeah. I would have just. There's just no way for you to keep your job, given where we were. Our goals for the season, we were there. I would have sacked him at the end of the season. That being said, I would have sacked him this year, either prior to the previous international break or, and I'm only doing this for the sake of giving the new manager, whoever it may be, um, two weeks to to sort of implement his philosophy Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and his system. That's the only reason. And I will say this, um, I, I don't know how much you, you follow Harry Simeon, and I agreed 100% with this from the same old Arsenal podcast. Um, where he said, look, well, there's no divine right for us, even if we were playing at the level that we should be playing at, given our squad. There's no divine right for us to go up to the King Power on Saturday and get three points. This is a no. good Leicester football team. And I think oh, 100%. You know, it, we're, we're, we're obviously way, way, way off form. Uh, but Leicester are very, very much in form. And those two factors, you get two teams that are going in polar opposite directions of one another. Uh, I would leave That's why we need in to make the change. just to um, just to not, I'll say, sort of bury the new manager in his first match. So I'd, I'd let Emery go up there, take his lumps, and then I hundred percent, I totally respect your opinion, but I totally disagree, hundred percent disagree. Oh, I, because I, if we we could catch them thinking that we're going to play like we are at the moment and not. And actually play with freedom, confidence, and attacking. Um, sort of, I can't think of the word, but you know what I mean. Could, could we, we, if could we actually we go there, fearless, with nothing to lose, could we could that win that match. Around? Right? Could we? We could, we could win that match because we we have got a stronger squad than Leicester. I don't care what anyone says. 
they are playing like a well-oiled machine under massive confidence at the moment. Yeah. Yes. And I love them. I do. They're only down the road from where I live. Yeah. And I, I, I could have possibly got tickets for this weekend, but I'm, I was very, very, very close to being scammed, which I, I've been saved from being scammed by a lovely person on Twitter. Oh, thank God for but, that. I know. But I've got nothing but respect for Leicester. I'm not knocking them. But as a squad, we've got a stronger squad. All we are lacking is the it's the confidence and the organisation. And giving the team the... Just take the handbrake off. Take the handcuffs off. Let the front three do what they want. Let Mesut Ozil pretty much do what he wants. And build yep. the team around them because they're the ones that are going to score our goals. And make sure we are well organised enough to support the front three and the back, the back four. If we can get someone that just knows what they're doing and to get that sorted. And we go up there with our moods completely lifted because you can cha- you can have your mood changed in a split second. You know that from your own life experiences. Something can happen. Sure. And you can go either from up there to down there or that there to down there to up there within sure. a split second. And that's what happened with Man United under Ole when he first took over mm-hmm. and they got rid of Mourinho. If we had that kind of uplift, there's no reason we couldn't beat Leicester and surprise them on the day. And... I'm sorry, but we missed out on top four by one point last season and we can't afford... We just know how important every point is. If we go up there and just just give away those three points that we would do if we just let Emery take that match, then that could be the difference between top four and not top four at the end of the season. If we go up there and give ourselves a slight chance by lifting our confidence and getting a bit of organisation, then why wouldn't you do that? Because yeah. we are not going there without under Emery and we are not getting anything. That's a good point. 100%. That's a good so point. Why, why not go for it? Yeah, that's, why that's not? a good point. That's a good point. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap up on uh, on this note. We both know that uh, Unai Emery is not going anywhere now prior to the Leicester match, uh, barring an absolute shocker in the next uh, 48 hours. I don't well, see him going anywhere. I so. don't know. I mean... After that performance this afternoon, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah. Anything. I don't know. I, I'm not holding my breath, but I'm I'm not you, holding my breath. But <laughs> don't, hold it, don't hold it too long, mate. No. Um, give me uh, give me your predictions. Give me, uh, if you can, give me a prediction on a starting 11, and then give me a prediction on the uh, match result. Well, you want me to give you a prediction as in what I think he will choose or what I would like to choose? Uh, no, give me your prediction on what you think he'll choose. I... I I think what we would choose at this point is probably – I dare say that as, as a supporter, as a fan base, I think we'd all pretty much choose the same 11. I Maybe one or two differences here and there. But I think by and large as, as a fan base, I think we'd all, we'd all choose the same – the vast the majority of us would choose the same starting 11. Um, now, give me, your, give me your 11. Give me his 11. And then give me a, give me a score result. I think that he will do the back three – choose the back three like he did today. I think that was a bit of a practice run today. So, I think he will go for Bellerin as right wing back. That's the reason why he didn't play today, didn't travel. I think it'll be Callum Chambers, Socrates and Louise and Kieran Tierney on the left. I think Xhaka will come back. I think Gwendouzi will play. And 
I'm hoping that he might still go for the front three of Pepe, Laka and Aubameyang. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I, I also think he might play Meza Ozil because he obviously didn't travel either. And I think he, he cannot risk... One other thing I've been saying, just quickly, is that I can't believe no one else has mentioned this on Twitter or on any other podcast, but bringing Mesut Ozil back into the team is 100%, as far as I'm concerned, a smokescreen to get rid of the Xhaka issue and the Emery issue. Emery brought him back in just after Xhaka walked off the pitch. And he couldn't stand that. He couldn't stand the own pressure on him. He couldn't stand the pressure that that caused. And as a smokescreen, he brought Mesut Ozil back into the team because all the fans have been chanting for Mesut Ozil just to get at Emery. And that's the reason he came back into the team. I'm not complaining because we all needed that. But that's why. That's the only reason why Mesut Ozil got brought back in from the cold just a week after saying that it was a a club decision to leave him out. And he made a massive U-turn, brought him back in from the cold, started him straight away. And that, I can't believe no one else has noticed that because as soon as I saw that that had happened, that's the first thing I realised and thought of. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it was an absolute just, hey, it, it, it's... Take the heat off. It, it's it's throwing a dog a bone, you know? Yeah, yeah, you exactly. You go to the bathroom, your dog's going to follow you in. You're like, here, take the bone. Get out yeah, of here. Exactly. Leave me be. That's exactly... I, I think you're exactly right, yeah. So, I'll just slightly revise my thoughts. I think it'll be, in midfield, like I said before, it'll be Xhaka and Gwendouzi. And then front three, Ozil, Lacazette, Aubameyang. You won't play Pepe because he played today as well. Yeah. That's my guess. And I, I think I can't see us. I cannot see anything less than a 3-0 defeat. Possibly 3-1. And I, uh, I'm just being honest because the well, main I, thing to play, we are dog shit. They are on high. And that if if we get out of there with anything better than a 3-1 defeat, then we're doing all right under this, this manager. If we had someone else in charge between now and then, and we got that uplift, I don't see any reason why we couldn't possibly come out of there with the result. Nick, 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 a two-one, Nick, a two-one uh, two win. Possibly, Maybe I wouldn't rule that out. Win. I genuinely think it would be that, that yeah. different. Uh, I mean, um, the, the mood would be massively different across the whole club. It'd be like a weight lifted off the shoulders, and anything possible. Then, yeah, I'm with you on the starting eleven. By the way, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'm, I'm actually in in full agreement with you there. I, I think today was the trial run on, mm. the, on the back three uh, with the two wing backs. Um, yeah, everything you said there, spot on. Um, my uh, my prediction for a result, and I don't usually do this. So uh, for those of you who follow me and, and you know anything about me at all, I'm a bit superstitious. I don't like giving predictions because I'm always afraid uh, the prediction, if I predict the win, we're going to lose. But I am uh, – you don't have to worry about that this weekend. Um, I'm actually going a little worse. I think it's going to be a 4-0 uh, defeat. And um, – yeah, I, I just don't see. I think he's going to set us up to, in the hopes that we don't lose. Like it's like we. I think he's going to set us up so that we don't get battered, like Southampton or like uh, Leicester did to Southampton 
on the road. I think if we come out 4-0, I apologize if you guys can hear my dog barking. She's, uh, who knows? She well, probably sees or senses a deer, if you can hear that in the background. I, um, but I, uh, I think we'll take the lead. I think we'll take the lead. I think it's so predictable. And everyone will go, oh, God, we're taking the lead. And then we'll just get... We'll sit back, we'll buy yep. pressure, and yep. we'll they'll score three, yep. possibly four. But that's what's going to I think is going to happen. And mm. uh, we'll only score because we've got Aubameyang, we've got Lacazette, we've got Mesut Ozil, and one of those will produce a bit of magic, and then we'll just sit back and throw it all away. Yeah, like we have been doing every game. We can't I'm hold on to a lead. I think Leicester. I, I think they 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 smell blood in the water, so to speak, and I think they're just going to come out gangbusters on us on Saturday. I mm. I think we're going to be on our heels the entire game, chasing the ball the entire game. I just don't. Uh, if we nick a goal in there somehow, some way, I will be absolutely stunned. And I hate to say it, and that's where I think our I, I think that's where most of our fan base is at this point. That. If we score a goal against a very informed team, we're we're that far off of where we could be right now. So. I would I would not be stunned if we scored in any game, even if we played against Barcelona. But because we've got the brilliant players to do that, what I'd be stunned of is if we come out of there with the result. Yeah. Now, yeah. if that is why, if we did change the manager, stick Freddie in charge, put Robert Perez next to him, or get Dennis Bergkamp in then we could really shock them with a great performance. But that's that would only be befitting of the squad that we've got. Our squad is more than capable of giving anyone a game. So if we got that uplift, then we give ourselves a chance. Genuinely, genuinely give ourselves a chance. In fact, I would go as far to say, and I genuinely, genuinely mean this, if we had a match... On Sunday, for example, against Liverpool, and we changed our manager tomorrow morning to Freddie Jungberg, I think we'd really push Liverpool on Sunday because that's how good the feeling would be throughout the whole club. And the players would get such a lift and such a boost of confidence would actually give them a game. I think the weight would just be lifted off their shoulders. and Yeah, they would play with freedom. I think that they are shackled at the moment. Yes. Massive weights around them and they are looking miserable. All yep. of them. Yep. And I genuinely think we'd actually give Liverpool a game and possibly even beat them, like villainily beat them at the weekend. <laughs> That's the, the difference I think it would make by making that change. And um, I, I just hope to God that they see sense. I really do. Because if I have to go through this I mean, this is one. That, sorry, I know. I know we've got to go. But one other quick. <laughs> All right. People All right. were saying. People are saying. Well, let's wait till January. Now, nah. do it now because yeah. that play. The, the new manager would have a couple of months. Well, not not quite a couple of months, but a few weeks to get used to the squad to see whether they can possibly bring someone in in January for a start. Yeah. See what just to give some advice. And then they've got the whole rest of the season to get used to the whole new set of players and get them used to the proper uh, formation, way of playing, strategy, everything. But if you wait until January, 
then that that new manager hasn't got a time a few weeks to get to know the squad and to see what the weaknesses are and strengths etc etc to see whether we can possibly bring someone in because don't forget Josh said we should be excited for January as well yeah uh, I do think we are going to bring in play I, I think we're going to bring in Upa Meccano I don't think they would have left that um, deal on the table I think when we made that offer for him in the summer I don't think Raul would have just walked away and just and wasted all that. I think he would have been working behind the scenes between the summer and now and to get that deal over the line in January because he's flatly refused to sign a new contract that for Makano. Yeah, yeah. As well. Yeah. So I think I'm I'm 100% that he's he's coming into the the club as as close as possible to be. So um yeah, I, I think do it now. Do it now. Get the uplift and see where we can Yep. go with that because I, I think that's all that's holding us back and a bit of um, organisation and playing players in the right positions that's all that's needed at the moment it may sound very very simplistic but that's all it will take it, uh, it, it sometimes simple is good sometimes simple mm. is good so Andrew listen thanks for uh, thanks for joining me here this is uh, this is my first I really enjoyed it. On YouTube channel and I uh, really appreciate you coming on man lots of good stuff um Everybody, if you're not already, I know you've got uh, you got quite the following out there, brother. Uh, Andrew at from Dial Square, check him out. It is from Dial Square to Where on YouTube. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, you guys liked what you heard today. Um, well, and, uh, maybe we should do a regular transatlantic show between us. Well, I uh, I uh, that that would be great, man. I <laughs> I'm 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 constantly in and out, so unfortunately for me, I, I really need to to set a schedule here and and. Uh, you know, really, really stick to it. Um, I wanted to get on earlier today, um, but a couple of couple of sick sick puppies here. Unfortunately, they caught a bug, and uh, I hope so, they're all right. Ah, oh, they'll be. They should be. They should be just fine. So good. But, uh, hey, yeah, Andrew, let's uh, let's talk, um, and hopefully we can, uh, yeah, figure out something. Uh, definitely a, a full time transatlantic show here. Um, That'd be great. I'd yeah. love that. Yeah, I th- really enjoyed it, mate. Now, uh, likewise, I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, thanks to everybody who uh, joined us live and to uh, everyone who is going uh, to watch this on the replay. Uh, really appreciate it, guys. Uh, as always, oh, other side, up the arsenal. Thanks, Andrew. Up the uh, arsenal. Uh, Take care, mate. All right. You too. See you out there. Thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. We really need your help to spread the word about From Dial Square to Wear. So if you haven't done so already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the From Dial Square to Wear YouTube channel and hit the notification button so you never miss a live show. And finally, please tune in to the live shows. Don't forget, you can get the chance every week to be the star alongside Andrew and his great guests just for being the most entertaining viewer on the night. Thanks again and see you on the next episode. Bye!